Soviet socialist republics. And they'd say, oh, but aren't you so glad that you're in America? I said, well, I know a lot of Russian filmmakers. They have a lot more freedom than I have. All they have to do is be careful about criticizing the government. guitar with myself greetings i'm your host jason miles and welcome to another episode of this is revolution podcast a little pop life-ish as we are digressing from the usual more serious show that we do here on tir and we're going to talk a little bit about movies horror movies sci-fi and horror movies so glad to have you guys here with us live and of course happy to have the people that will be listening on the audio only and definitely watching on the rewatch before we start if you're new to the channel please hit like and subscribe don't forget to hit that notification bell so you're alerted whenever we go live and do crazy stuff like this as always thank you to all the subscribers on youtube and twitch and all the audio only podcast formats you find us on also, of course, thank you to patrons. Collectively, you are the fuel and the engine that keeps this TIR machine moving along. Tomorrow night, we will be doing movie night. It is Friday the 13th. I don't really have a spooky sound effect. And it looks like Nightmare on Elm Street 3 is winning. I am sad by that, and I'm wearing, you know, a Freddy Krueger t-shirt. But I really was hoping we could watch uh, Friday the 13th, part four, is one of my favorites. It's like kind of fun, popcorn-y horror movies. Then I was like, oh man, you know what I should have said? We should have watched Halloween 3. So we have to find a way to shoehorn Halloween 3 into this month because I rewatched it recently and it's so good. If you'd like to join us for movie night tomorrow night, if you'd like to have access to champagne rooms past and present, if you would like to be in the live virtual audience for the Pascal Robert hosted Mau Mau Hour, there's only one way. Become a patron for as little as $3 a month or $30 for the year. It can all be yours. Now that we got that out of the way can't forget to tell you guys next monday tickets will be on sale for the book launch event for my latest book my new book my first book first thing that i got published in print i was a teenage anarchist it'll be live in the bay area november 18th tickets are going to go on sale monday some of the names are confirmed i can say Chris Contos will be there. Chris was in Machine Head. He's actually the founding drummer of Machine Head, founding drummer of Attitude Adjustment. He's in Forbidden right now. He's been in so many bands, a good friend of mine. Also, Rick Hanolt from Exodus will be there. 
That's right, Rick from Exodus. We're going to have some great old school metal, hardcore punk stories from the Bay scene. It's going to be in a very cool, intimate atmosphere. Um, you can bring the kids if you really want to. Uh, if you don't want to, of course, don't. But if you are one of those people that wants to bring your youngin along, like we had Josh the other day call in and he's got a young teenage daughter if you want to bring your daughter along and hear some of these great behind the velvet rope stories as i call them um we're going to do a lot of that with a lot of mingling definitely take q a from the audience we're only got 50 spots that's it i want to kind of give you guys a go fun event of what it was like um, for me, living in the studio and kind of, you know, even putting this thing together, talking to all these guys so much. So there's a few of the names. There's more names. I can't say yet because we're waiting on a few people to confirm. But again, I'm pretty stoked about, uh, about how this is, this is coming out. This is going to be a lot of fun. But tonight we're talking about horror movies. Sometimes we try to define horror as a static genre of monsters, killers, and just overall fright. It's still the black sheep of movie genre, something many people don't take too seriously. I believe that has much to do with the blow up of the genre in the 80s, the, the low budget direct-to-video and cable releases, films filled with bloody, gore-filled cliches. But horror doesn't have to be demon possessions and machete-wielding killers stalking teenagers. I remember being terrified watching Pee-wee's Big Adventure at the scene where he meets the undead friendly trucker, Large Marge. To gain validity to the film critics and tastemakers, the name of the genre gets changed to mystery or suspense. And now you can win an Oscar. The Shining, Silence of the Lambs come to mind for horror fans. Uh, and there's more blood and gore in Silence of the Lambs than in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Ridley Scott's Alien and James Cameron's James Cameron's Terminator are two movies that are science fiction classics. But to me, these movies are and always will be horror films with kind of a science fiction veneer. Now, the sequels to these movies are more space action than horror. But the original screenplays and films are textbook horror movies. The mood, the scores, the pacing, the jump scares, they have it all. And here to discuss this with me is my good friend, the TIR, sometimes Y member, the Derek Bourne. What up, dude? Nothing much. Uh, trying to get appropriate, obnoxious lighting. There we go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, welcome to... Yeah, welcome to <laughs> a fun a fun horror talk i you and i even when i'm on your show even when we're having like serious discussions we always veer off into music we always veer off into some sort of pop culture realm um we're around the same age we definitely like a lot of the same stuff you're a fan of horror movies what makes a good yeah. horror movie to you oh that's hard um my three favorite horror movies may make it a little clearer. I think I uh, I love Gothic by Ken Russell. Um, I love 
The Brood by Cronenberg. And then I think Texas Chainsaw is probably the like the quintessential horror movie because it's a movie that is super suspenseful. Um, and yet when you watch it, you realize that the first time you see it, you think it's the most gory thing you've ever seen. And you go back and watch it like, no, actually there's no gore in it. It tricked you. It was just so suspenseful that you thought there was, it was, it was all implied. Um, there's not that many movies that can pull that off. And that's why it's never been successfully remade. Um, and then it leads to one of my other favorite horror movies, which is Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which is a quintessential car horror comedy where the horror and the comedy are actually about balance, yeah. um, which is hard to do. I mean, parts of that movie are ridiculous, but you know it's supposed to be. So I love Texas Chainsaw 2. I actually saw two first. I bought two with Christmas money when I was a kid. The VHS. You know how you get like your little Christmas... Well, Maybe you. Yeah. Uh, well, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But still, you get your whatever holiday funds, and you. <laughs> and I went to Kmart back when they were still Kmart. I don't know if this has been around anymore. And it was in like a bin, and I was like, I got it. And then I ended up watching the original on cable one night, and the original scared the bejesus out of me. That John Larroquette voiceover in the beginning is terrifying. Um, oh yeah. Mark Owen says, you ruined my Sonny Bono wig. <laughs> I, I love Texas Chainsaw, too. Um, <clears throat> I believe that's the one I saw first, too, and then was shocked to go back and watch the first one and realize they were both directed by the same person. For one thing. Yeah. But but in the massive tone shift between those two movies, I mean, the only other movies that I think successfully pull a tone shift that well between one and two is alien and aliens. Um, and that is it, you know, that's a huge tone shift. You don't think Terminator does a good job? Uh, yeah, I guess I could, I could say that. Do you consider Terminator a horror movie? Yes. Like that's a, that's a good question. Terminator one is one of the most frightening movies I saw as a young person. I, my parents divorced when I was very young and my father, I had him, he had me on the weekends, uh, interesting man, my father, and we would go to the video store. This is way before Blockbuster. And he would be like, pick whatever you want to see. And I'd pick something I wanted to see. And he's like, no, you can't see that. And it wasn't like it was bad. It was like, he didn't want to watch it. <laughs> so he was like, we're going to watch Terminator. <laughs> I was like six or seven, you know, maybe eight. And uh, yeah. I just remember watching that movie and Arnold Schwarzenegger was a monster to me. He was a villain to me until I went to the theater to see two, I think. Then he stopped being a villain in my eyes. I saw two first. I think I think the interesting thing about every movie that we mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, because of my age, which is just like two years younger than you, but it would have it would have hit me just slightly different because those two years would have been important <laughs> in the eighties. Um, I saw the second one of the every one of those movies. I saw Aliens before I saw Alien. Mm-hmm. I saw Terminator Two before I saw Terminator, and I saw um, uh, Texas Chainsaw uh, way after I saw Texas Chainsaw mm-hmm. Two. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe an AV thing. People are throwing out uh, other movies, Gremlins, uh, Gremlins, and Gremlins Two. Although 
the thing is with Gremlins and Gremlins 2 is Gremlins is a horror comedy. Gremlins 2 is like a farce. So it's, you know, I mean, that's kind of scary. Not really. You know, like, yeah. um, Grim, both, but, both yeah. of those movies, I think, are like these fun, these fun films. Um, there's a there's a there's a weird point, though, in the early 80s with all the Star Wars knockoffs and alien knockoffs, because you have these two movies that really hit big. Star Wars is a maybe not Oscar winning phenomenon, but it's a huge blockbuster phenomenon. Science fiction films aren't supposed to make money like this. And everybody tries to cash in and everybody's cash in doesn't work. I mean, Disney of all people has an extremely failed cash in for those that remember movie, the black hole. Oh God, I do remember I mean, that. I movie. watched the black oh, hole. If I saw it on TV, I tried to watch it with my, my young son, the, the little guy, and he just wasn't digging it. It's a, it's a slow paced movie that was a little all over the place. I think I saw it at a friend's house on the Disney channel in the early nineties. <laughs> Like, and you were like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Like, it's like, this is a weird Disney s- space horror. Yeah, like, it's, almost hor- it's almost like a horror. They were, again, they were all over the place. And you, and Alien it was, what, 79? So before Empire, but it's definitely during the bonanza of Star Wars and all the, and all the kind of uh, wannabe Star Wars knockoffs. And it's it's written as a space horror movie. It's not supposed to be a science fiction film. And it actually wins wins awards. It won an Oscar for something, I'm not sure, maybe special effects. Um but that movie, I watched it actually before we went on, and it's a horror movie. It's just a horror movie in outer space. I mean, you know, it it's no uh, event horizon or pandemonium, but yeah, it's it And it is from a time, I think we do have to remind ourselves that, like, there were children's horror or young adult Mm -hmm. horror movies in the 80s. That's like the last, I mean, they've tried to bring them back in the last decade or so. But, like, Poltergeist, if if we remember, even though I, as a child in the 80s, I found those for the first two of those movies terrifying. Terrifying. Um, those were made for kids. Yeah, effectively. Amblin. Like, I don't know if they're amb. I think they're Amblin movies. Uh, I yeah. think that you know Spielberg creates the the PG thirteen rating, and we kind of have to remember PG movies before the PG thirteen. You can have curse words, uh, nudity. PG thirteen movies. Go back and watch a PG thirteen movie pre, or a PG movie pre nineteen eighty four. Yeah, I can tell you a story about that. Um, it was pretty hilarious. When I uh, taught in, I teach in Utah, and I taught in a school. Uh, and in in this school, there was a hard rule like you could show any movie that's PG without getting a um, a signature, and it was a film class. And uh, so I showed Reds and Cabaret <laughs> because they're both PG. Hmm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Were there some letters to the principal after that? No, I got away with it, which is amazing. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, there should have been letters to the principal. But 
I is Gremlins is one of the first movies that got the PG thirteen. I don't think it's the one that initiated it. No, Indiana it Jones a, and the Temple of Doom. Indiana Jones, yeah, and the Temple of Doom did another movie that messed around with tone and tried to be a horror movie, kind of. Holy um, yeah. So yeah, I, I it the eighties isn't like I'm a movie snob, and mm-hmm. you know. I I am in in my head. There are two two wolves. One of which is a Criterion Collection. The other which is like whatever on Shutter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, it just tells you a lot about me. Um, <laughs> but I grew I grew up watching like thinking about like this big shift because '70s movies are my Criterion brain. Mm-hmm. But 80s movies is shutter brain. Like, they're, and I don't want to say that they're actually not good films because they, particularly in the early 80s, when, once they got out of 70s mode, and I think how they got out of 70s mode is the movies that you're talking about. Like, the, like, what brings the blockbusters Jaws, but what brings like 80s movies as we think about them as Star Wars yep. and Alien. Yeah. Um, and, there's this period of like really well-made slock like like people have really who cut their teeth on b-movies for reels and drive-throughs in the 70s who who uh are are cut their teeth watching them Mm -hmm. but take that aesthetic and then make amazing movies out of it i mean you know the the cameron Cameron, carpenter comes out of that yeah Carpenter comes out of that. Um, Craven, all these yeah, guys come out of that. Yeah, no, Craven comes out of that and porn, but <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, you you get this kind of this mixture, and specifically with someone like Craven, like Craven's referencing art house movies, mm-hmm. um, but um, yeah, uh. Those are also two favorite. You you asked me in the beginning what defines a horror movie. I should have actually mentioned Possession and Suspiria as also both being on my top. Like I could just go. We could go on horror. forever. There's no there's, look. <laughs> the top three is extremely interchangeable, and I think it's foolish for us to think that we can simply have uh, an easy top three. I don't have an easy top three. I have movies that I'm into at the moment, which you can throw on. I wouldn't say pol. For example, I wouldn't say Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. And if you were over here and you were like, dude, let's watch Poltergeist. I'm like, oh, it's like my favorite movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's one of those things for me. Last time that we hung out together, we watched Ken Russell's Layer of the White Worms. So. That's right. We were at Dubin's. Yeah. <laughs> and I was following us. That, first of all, anyone watching the show right now, I don't know if you guys, I'm sure there's a lot of people watching this, especially this episode, that fall asleep to movies. Don't try to fall asleep to Ken Russell. No. <laughs> Don't do it. I woke up in a weird snake orgy. <laughs> like <laughs> I would just kind of randomly doze off and wake up like, oh, that snake lady bite that guy's dick off. <laughs> <laughs> like, did I wake up and there was a Roman orgy going on and someone got eaten by a snake? Like, <laughs> Ken Russell movies, just don't do it. Do not do it. Um. I did, so I think you're you're getting into something I did want to ask you. Do you think the oversaturation of popcorn, low budget horror, taint the genre um, 
or has it always been a second tier genre from the universal monster days and the hammer house of horror eras? I don't know that it was all, I mean, it's hard to say if it's, if, uh, for example, I mean, uh, universal monsters wasn't second tier until the haze code and they had to make them funny. Mm-hmm. Um, hammer house of horror. I mean, it's just high Gothic. There's they, I don't consider them second tier either. Some of them are bad. Uh, I don't know how many versions of Carmilla you can actually make, but um, I would say uh, they go in and out. I mean, one of the things about a horror movie is uh, unlike sci-fi, uh, they're remarkably cheap to make. Um, mm-hmm. you, it, it, they're great first films, you know, um, and. I think what what part of what tastes the genre is the end of the universal horror era, and then like that middle period of Hammer, mm-hmm. um, it, up into the '60s before Hammer gets interesting again, where it's like, um, we are as salacious as we can be, but we're not that salacious, you know, lots mm-hmm. of heaving bosoms, but uh, <laughs> but we're obviously <laughs> shooting night and the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> I think it was a genre that lended itself to being a second stream on a drive-thru, um, because to make a high-end, uh, sci-fi movie just costs a lot of money. I mean, like, yeah. uh, you know, even, even back then, and when you watch cheap, when you watch cheap horror movies now um from like the 70s some of them don't stand out for how cheap they were made like they really you know they don't um i watched a lot of the romero movies that everyone forgets marty and what is it season of the witch mm-hmm. um and i watched those recently and you know they weren't made with any money at all um mm-hmm. but you really kind of can't tell compared to everything else i mean they're not they're not like Rosemary's Baby or anything, but you you really can't tell. Uh, whereas like old castle movies, Ooh, if you like, yeah, the, those are fun, mm-hmm. uh, but they look cheap now. Uh, but go watch a Leslie Nielsen, and people think I'm referring to him as a comedian, but actually in the 60s and 70s he was mostly in like sci-fi movies. A very serious um, actor. Yeah. yeah, and he was a very serious actor. Um, those Leslie Nielsen cheap sci-fi movies from the from the late 60s early 70s look they look so much older mm-hmm. than the horror movies from the same time period um like just day and night difference um you, know, you think about something even something that's fairly high budget for the time period like forbidden planet and watch it by a, a movie just a few years older uh um uh, the donna the, not donna the dead uh, Night of Living Dead, mm-hmm. um, and tell me which one looks better now. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's. Uh, I, I I think that has an attraction to it because you can put them together pretty cheaply. Also, um, once the haze code was away, uh, you could be sleazy about it, and you didn't have to be all as good as Hitchcock and just imply sleazy. You could just do it. Um, Is Hitchcock? the master of horror or suspense 
Right. We're gonna get into like how to divide the suspense horror line. Um, in some ways, I think he's. I mean, obviously, he's a master of suspense. But in some ways, if you watch some of his late movies, you you definitely get the feeling that he's almost just out now in pure horror. Um, to me, the master of of horror of that time period, um, is actually someone we can't mention anymore because he's a very very bad person. But Roman um, Polanski. Roman Polanski. Um, Rosemary's Baby is it's good. Yeah, <laughs> you can't front on Rosemary's Baby. Like, yeah. Also, um, that takes place before the the incidents happened with him. Yeah, you can feel you can watch that with a fairly clean conscience, but um, maybe not the Ninth Gate. You know, it's a difference. Yeah, well, I mean, I have seen that movie, but I didn't know because uh, mm. I think I saw that in high school and I didn't. Know I didn't that. know that was Polanski either. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's unfortunate. A lot of my favorite movies are Polanski movies, but nonetheless, um, I would still have him in prison. Um, all that said, uh, you know, I think. I think horror movies also the gamut of what counts as we get into like suspense or thrillers. I am still yet to figure out the exact line between a realistic slasher movie, a suspense thriller. I mean, a suspense movie mm-hmm. with a murderer like psycho and a thriller. Like even if you write down the like the various film elements and i've taught film before mm-hmm. there's not really the the elements are the same in all those three cases in almost all aspects and yet there is a vibe difference between them and that and I, that's pretty much the only thing i can say is the difference mm-hmm. like it's down to like little uh choices and like filmography or acting choices are but but on paper they're almost identical and yet psycho versus um single white female versus oh i don't know uh rope by hitchcock mm-hmm. um and so i mean psycho is a, that the excellent one is it a suspense movie or is it a horror movie it starts off with a very horrible horrific intro right you kill off the star which we don't really see again till scream. Yeah. Um, and I, I think psycho one is more of a horror movie than the sequel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the sequel, which I really enjoyed uh, psycho psycho two, I thought was really, really good. Um, that's, a little different there's not a lot of violence in it it takes so long for a kill to even happen because you have to get the whole gas lighting thing really set in and they set it in so good that you're just kind of following this this continuing story of of norman bates um i don't i don't know i i've always felt like horror for me isn't necessarily just a genre because a lot of the horror movies that i watch horror movies quotations Mm. i laugh at and a lot of people that go watch like over the top slashers especially by the time you get to stuff like freddy versus jason me and ben sat here and watched freddy versus jason and i had saw it when it came out and i didn't remember it and i watched it just sitting down 
no devices, nothing stopping me from enjoying the film. And I just kept going, you know, this is what it is. And it's really good at being what it is. It's not trying to be smart. It's not trying to, you know, terrify me with mood. It is what I want as a fan of these, you know, characters. Um, and I think there's genres of movies now like that. Like you like these kind of schlocky slasher blood fest movies with interesting kills. We'll make them for you. And that's what you got in the eighties, but we call it horror. And I think because it's called horror when people weren't scared, cause it was, you know, you know, what's coming. Yeah. Um, then people, I don't like horror. It doesn't scare me. Like how many times have you heard someone say that? Yeah, there's I think there's two periods of horror that do that, frankly, Um, Mm -hmm. the mid to late 80s when you get the. You know, the the three slasher trilogies that have up to like 10 sequels and like nine of them come out in three years. Yeah, like um, the cash ins. Yeah, I mean, like Friday the 13th is, is an example, like the first I think the first three of those movies are pretty brilliant. And then. You know, they get good again, like around Freddy versus Jason <laughs> <was a lot laughs> years later. But like, like by the time you're going to Manhattan in space, you know you got a problem. Um, it, it, it's they get so far removed. You know, we talk about watching stuff out of order. Like I didn't see the first Friday the Thirteenth movie until I was well an adult. Mm-hmm. and realized how different of a movie it is. It feels a lot more like it feels a lot more like a seventies movie. I mean, which I guess it kind of makes sense. Cause and again, no one knows. Let's, let's remember when, uh, I can't remember the guy's name that makes, um, Friday 13th. Oh, this kid's name is slipping me. Anyway, when he makes that movie, he's like, Hey, this Halloween thing is taken off. And he sends his buddy to go watch Friday 13th or to go watch Halloween. And it's like, tell me what's it about. And then we're going to make our own little version of Halloween. And they make Friday the 13th. And, you know, that goes off Halloween. Yeah. The sequel to Halloween, I think it's horrible. Which one? The, <laughs> like, first, the first Halloween 2, Carpenter doesn't want to make because Carpenter's like, I ended the movie. It's over. Right. And they're like, nope. You made, what is it, $300,000 budget? You made $30 million. You're, you're the, or You're an earner. You know, the movie industry's like the mob. You're an earner now. You know, we got to get another one of these. Like the mob. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, trying to be subtle. And and then and then Friday the 13th, for whatever reason, there is a lot of other of these, you know, the, the original name of Halloween is the babysitter murder, murders. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot more of these kind of slasher films that are coming out to the point where I think Friday the 14th, or Saturday the 14th, I think it's called, the the, the parody, comes out in like 84. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's amazing how, like, you go watch Black Christmas and Sleepaway Camp, mm. and, I mean, there, there's tons of these coming out in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, some, I, I, you know, some of them predate Halloween, but Halloween really gets the formula down, and it actually, unfortunately for me, I saw Halloween after I'd seen all these other slashers. So it was not the revelation yeah. that it is. If, it, if you watch it clean, 
Um, what is it? Prom night's another one. There's so Ooh. there's just so many. Um, huh? and, and and these movies don't have the thing that is going to be the character that's going to come back for whatever reason. And I don't know what that thing is. None of us really know what that thing is because Michael Myers. Um, and then you have Jason Voorhees and you don't even get Jason Voorhees until the second film. Yeah. I mean, he's not in the first, I mean, his hand is in the first film. It's Pamela Voorhees, right? It's his mom. His, his mom is the, is the killer in the first movie. And again, that movie was made, like the other movies from Alien and Terminator, those movies weren't made to be franchises. No, they were not. You know, that was um, the last thing those people thought when they made them. That's why the sequels are always so kind of, especially when you, you get into the Terminator like 15 or whatever the hell they're on. You're like, what the hell's going on here? Well, Terminator, like after two, we just don't mention them. Um, <laughs> I've never, I, I tried to watch Salvation. I was like, I'm good. I, I've seen all of them, unfortunately, but um, uh, uh, yeah. Um, so you know, it's interesting that when I think about this whole problem of sequels, because I think that's part of why we associate it as cheap. But I'm going to finish the I'm other sorry, time period that I think makes people hate horror, and before I get on to that, and that's the aught torture porn period. Ooh, like, yeah. Cause that's just on play. I mean, like I like extreme cinema, the cinema, see criterion brain and Mm -hmm. shutter brain meet and new friends extremity. But, um, but during whatever it is about the American version of that, the Eli Wolf version of that just felt cheap and like gross, like, and not fun at all. Um, <laughs> just and so so a lot of people who I meet who are like in their early 30s late 20s who grew up during that you know or during the late 90s during the during the crystal clean uh daytime soap horrors that are all like ripoffs of of scream one um oh. uh, that's okay so there's lots of periods so basically <laughs> basically most of the aughts the late 90s and the late 80s are not good for horror at all. Um, the mid 90s, you you get this explosion of, of like stuff that's aware of the limitations of the 80s genre pieces and calling attention to it by the same people who made the 80s genre pieces too. I mean, Screen is Wes Craven, and Craven's an interesting character and in all this stuff because he kind of uh, in the in each decade up into the aughts he actually makes a horror movie that mm-hmm. calls attention to and redefines the genre so like um last house on the left in the 70s get your ex- both kind of culminate your exploitation and changes your exploitation horror um friday the 13th kind of shifts the, for good and ill i mean you mean i uh, mean uh, uh, yeah yeah on street yeah. shift for good and ill um what's going on in uh in slashers i mean because it adds a supernatural element it adds social critique although it doesn't maintain the social critique very long at all Mm -hmm. um but and then um you get scream which you know is the 90s meta commentary on the slasher horror 
genre as established by Carpenter and Craven himself. So it, you get, you know, he kind of he he kind of defines all the errors. And, and one of the things about him, um, is that he never has a budget. It's actually kind of amazing that he never is given like a huge budget, like. But he but he learned right. He learned doing all those crappy made-for-TV movies. Like you can get a lot of that stuff on DVD. I mean, I'm I don't know how many people watching the show actually try to own media. I'm sure you could find a lot of his non-cinema release stuff on like an Amazon or Shutter or something like that. But he made a lot of made-for-TV stuff. Even even Deadly Friend kind of looks like a made-for-TV movie. And until the 90s, I would actually say one of the things about his movies is Craven's an interesting director, but no one's going to accuse him of being like an amazing cinematographer. Like you're having a good eye for that. Um, But which is not true for someone like Carpenter. Carpenter has shot composition even in his like shitty college movies. Um, But I think it's very I think it's very interesting to, to think about the what the 80s did for horror and then people coming in and they come in and these time periods because horror movies like i said way back in the beginning it you can make a fairly good horror movie with a twist for not that much money Mm -hmm. and so they're a popular genre forever as far as uh um you know the mob-like organization that we call what's what's left <laughs> of the studio system uh, is concerned because you don't when when you hear about movies making crazy um, money to cost ratio, it's like a first-time comedy, but it's got to be a first-time comedy because the actors are well known. You're going to pay for them, mm-hmm. or it's a horror movie. That's where you can really make uh, where the the difference between the budget and the return without it being a super blockbuster um, really is key. And I think that's why it's also a genre that stuck around in the era of super blockbusters because Mm -hmm. you can still make them for nothing. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. um, I mean, horror and black exploitation in the, in the seventies, those are two things that are still, you know, kind of getting cranked out. Yeah, and uh, and you know now that porn has it has killed the erotic thriller. That's there, you know that you lose one cheap genre. But um, that's a damn shame too, because uh, is it is it body double? What is the movie? Oh with, yeah. Um. Oh God, not Donald Sutherland. It's um, Michael Caine. Isn't it Michael? I think it's body is it, double. Is it or is it? I get those two white guys confused. Angie Dickinson's in it. I know it's Angie Dickinson and the woman from RoboCop. I can't think of her name for the life of me. Is it Body Double or Body Heat? I get those two confused all the time. Um, I think the Palma directed it, right? I think it's Body Heat. Dress to Kill. Dress to Kill. Okay. That's completely different. Thank you. Um, I I know it's, it's something... Where oh yeah, that's Angie Dickinson and Michael Caine and Keith Gordon and yeah. Yeah, that that's that's the movie that I'm I'm thinking of where that's the perfect erotic thriller. You know, it comes on too late for us to watch as as little people when it comes on cable. 
<laughs> yeah. It's never going to come on in the day. You might watch Scrambled Cinemax for it before the weird French yeah. comes on. <laughs> for those of you who are old enough to know what we're talking about. It's um, very giallo. It's a, it is a very giallo film with the star filter on it, the colors, the right. killer first person view that you get. Like, that's, that's really a lot of the giallo movies, not a lot, but some of those giallo movies are, are kind of erotic thriller type. I would say, yeah, most of them. I mean, the thing is, giallos were like, every 35 seconds like for a while um the people have it's interesting because jello is a a genre that i think is really like nerds have brought back like we all talk (laughs) about it now but like Mm -hmm. in the 80s we didn't talk about it but i think it's because we were watching jello knockoffs um oh yeah uh, uh you know everything from like dress to kill which is kind of one of the one of the primo examples but by the time you get to the late 80s early 90s and you get to like the 85 michael douglas films like, <laughs> like uh where you can't like, tell the difference between you're like which one is this yeah, is this, this fatal, fatal attraction, attraction or is it <laughs> is this the other one that he did where it was like fatal attraction or the other other one are uh <laughs> he, <laughs> What was with Michael Douglas playing like sleaze balls in? Because he was the... getting pussy. <laughs> Obviously. I mean, um, but you yeah. would too. You'd look at the script. And... Am I fucking? <laughs> I'm in. But to to bring it to the to, to the topic of the show, which we have yet to really get to. I mean, we got to half of it. Um, <laughs> it horror is also something that you compare with any other genre, mm-hmm. like. If you want to make like a romantic comedy horror, you can. Um, if you want to make a weird exploitation, uh, gross-out movie, you can. Um, if you want to do an art house movie that can actually get played somewhere other than a than your local independent cinema thing at midnight, you can. Um, that's not true for a lot of other genres. Like you would think, you, you would think it might be, but it just doesn't doesn't end up that way. Like, you know, there's not too many, for example, like Western comedy horrors. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's like westerns and space westerns, and that's about it. Like, mm-hmm. um, whereas horrors, have, you can just slap it on any genre. <laughs> Like, um, and then it has, as we were talking about in the beginning, infinite subgenres, um, nearly infinite subgenres. And the thing about the eighties uh, that that I think people, because it wasn't just film, like the seventies and eighties is also like the high point of horror pulp paperbacks. Like there, mm. there's like hundreds. It's hard to find all of them now. Like I've been trying to, there was recently, I think about five years ago, six years ago, a book called paperback from hell, which actually cataloged all the seventies, eighties, mm-hmm. uh, pulp horrors. So it was ubiquitous in culture period. Like, cause I was also reading this shit, like Dean Koontz and Anne Rice. Was, Anne Rice. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, King was top. King was king of the world. 
in this time period. Mm-hmm. Like car wreck and cocaine couldn't slow him down. <laughs> it like, tried. Yeah, it really it did. Tried. <laughs> Please, no one watch Maximum Overdrive. Uh, which, which I guess is a is a is a good transition to some some movies that are questionable, like mm-hmm. like are they horror or not? Since we're doing this, mm-hmm. all right, you know, here, look, question three on this list of talking points, because I wanted to get into the whole science fiction thing, because I think there's some movies that we look at as science fiction that are frightening to me. Uh-huh. Would you call The Running Man a horror film? To me, there's nothing more frightening than the future that that movie predicts. I feel like we're almost there five more years and we'll see people cheering on the death of convicted criminals for sport. Oh man. It's kind of a fun movie, right? When you watch it. And that's kind of weird to say about this dystopian nightmare of a movie that is the running man, but the kills in it to me are very similar to the kills that we're enjoying in the Nightmare on Elm Streets and the Friday the Thirteenth and the Halloweens and whatever the Sleepaway Camp Fifteens, <laughs> all these movies are coming out with all these kind of super violent kills, and there's some pretty not over the top gnarly, but gnarly enough kind of brutality in. There's a chainsaw the fight in it. <laughs> there's a chainsaw fight it. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's it that movie sets the. I think if you make it today, it's probably going to be a little darker in actual in in pre- presentation because a lot of it happens in the day, a lot of the running around. And yeah, it doesn't. It's not. It's not framed like a horror movie, but man, one you were talk about dark political satire. It's not just that we're watching people like fight for sport to get rid of criminals it's also like people are framed for war crime atrocities on civilians doing protest yeah like, like that's like the amount the the number of layered satirical pieces in that movie is is kind of absurd you could tell that when uh stephen king was night lighting as richard bachman he was doing a fuck lot of coke <laughs> but um uh uh but you're right in in that the 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 it is framed a lot like an action movie also it's framed like a satire mm-hmm. also it's the kills are the kind of ridiculous kills that you'll see in like a nightmare on elm street mm-hmm. 4 like it you know definitely by the time you get to like freddy's dead it's actually similarly grotesque and ridiculous ben says um, freddy's dead is when freddy starts acting like bugs bunny <laughs> He kind of does, actually. <laughs> um, um, but nonetheless, uh, it, it's uh, it's a it's a crazy movie. Is it a horror movie? And I would say it's not, but it's not because vibes. It's actually like if you, like it's one of those movies that's terrifying to think about once you finish it. Mm-hmm. It's just like, what did I see? in this movie and i have i saw that movie at a hotel um in in 1988 and i know it was 1988 because it was it was i'm not gonna get a long story my parents uh one time tried to get you know tried to improve their class station by doing amway 
And Oof. so I got dragged for uh, one for like a year to these stupid Amway conferences that my parents couldn't afford. Oof. And uh, and at one of these stupid conferences, uh, I was in a lobby watching the running man. Like and I, it was and I know it was 1988 because I can like I can like smell the gross cigarette 80s <laughs> gold everything neon everything like of this fucking cheap ho- like cheap hotel and i believe it was in like new orleans um so i very much remember when i first saw that movie and i and i love that movie but it is a movie that i think if you just changed the way it was shot it's a horror mm-hmm. movie right like, if you if you change it, make it a little bit darker. The score is very exciting because it's an action movie. If if I describe this movie, there's a man that's a police officer. I think he's a SWAT team guy. Yeah. I think he's ex-military. And his name is the Butcher of Bakersfield because there is a food riot. Poverty has gotten so out of control that people are rioting in the streets for food. And the call is murder everybody in the street. And Schwarzenegger's character pushes back against the call and he won't do it. And he's taken out. And then through deep fake technology, he's they 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 make it look like he killed all these people. And then he goes to prison. And it's a prison work camp. Um, and he's supposed to be in there for life. And in this kind of dystopian prison world in which he lives, um, there's people that are trying to get out. And, you know, he's the strong guy because he's Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, of course, he gets out. and um, He gets captured. And in getting captured, uh, if you are a felon, you get a chance to play this game called The Running Man where you – try to get out of a certain area kind of like a maze and you're chased by what do they, do they call them gladiators what do they call them i forget what they call them but there's different stages of, of of escape and the way the game is sold to the viewing public is that there's several people that have made it through and i think everyone that plays in the game has committed a capital offense right they've committed murder and so the people that are chasing you will murder you and people are cheering on the murder and Richard Dawson, who, you know, younger people probably don't know. He used to be the host of a show called family feud that maybe you guys know Steve Harvey for hosting now. Richard Dawson was the original host and he's in this movie kind of playing himself and you find out that no one's won the game. Everyone that they said is won. it's all deep fake technology. They were all dead. And the the whole thing is you're not supposed to win the game. They just kill the shit out of you. And that's kind of a frightening future to think about. There's a class of people that we're feeding into this entertainment machine. You know, Black Mirror does a good job of, of talking about this as well, like with the 15 million credit episode where everyone's got to ride the bike to produce energy for the for the world. And if you save up 15 million credits, you can apply to be on the kind of America's Got Talent show. And if you make it, then you can 
you know, change your station in life. And th- that movie feels more real to me, especially, you know, with the events that are going on in different parts of the world right now, where you literally see people walling themselves off, hoarding all the resources. Um, and it's just not in the Middle East. It's kind of all over the place. We definitely see it here in this country. I mean, what do you think gated communities are? Um, it's it's scary, but it's kind of billed as a fun action movie. Yeah, and it's shot as a fun action movie too. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I, when I talk about the vibes, one of the things you have to like put together is for a lot of the difference between say some kinds of action and some kinds of horror a camera angle and lighting is really the only thing separating them Mm. um Mm. and and that's you know not to say that it isn't important it is extremely important but it's it it's it's something to notice it particularly in the time period we're talking about because uh one of the interesting things about the 70s 70s film very interesting because it's the end of the first studio system and mm-hmm. uh and then you have like the rise of the 70s auteurs and but by the time you get to the 80s there's not really there's not really auteurs in the same way there's like blockbuster directors and everything else but they're also very much throwing like throwing darts at a wall and then like picking out the spaghetti from where the darts land and then throwing the spaghetti at the wall. (laughs) Like there's some, when you actually break down the components of a lot of these movies from the eighties, you're just like, this is four genres at once. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes they work and not just in horror, like think of the movie, like what genre is back to the future too? Yeah, that's well, a good hey. that's a good question. What genre is someone's talking about Predator? What genre is Predator? Like yeah. seriously. That's a frightening movie. Predator's uh, frightening. Terrifying, actually. But is it is it a action horror? I mean action sci-fi, action horror, action horror sci-fi? Like brutal. It's and it's brutal in the day. Right? The 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 Predator is just ganking fools in the day and you're just like dude this is frightening and again this is my whole take on horror it i don't really look at it as it's always got to be monsters and demons and jump scares because again one of the best jump scares in cinema history is peewee's big adventure oh yeah large marge gets me every time I, I actually still remember being terrified of that as a kid. Like, <laughs> just that one scene. It's, it's the only scary. scene in there, but it's terrifying. Right? Because for the rest of the movie, you're kind of like this. As a, I, I remember my mom took me. I don't know, it was nine, I think I was eight years old, maybe. Took me to the theater to see it. I begged to see it. And when that scene happens, I remember screaming. She yelled at me for screaming. And then I was like afraid for almost the rest of the movie because I'm just like, what? What else are you going to throw at me, Pee Wee Herman? It, not a lot. It's just going to get weird. But... Is, yeah, it got weird. He gets his bike back, and, you know, I'd still have a crush on, you know, E.G. Daly, Donnie. Uh, <laughs> but, but like, that scene is frightening. You know what's frightening to me as a, as a child? Darth Vader. 
Oh yeah, the first one. Yeah. There's nothing more scary than Darth Vader. Darth Vader is like your dad with magical powers, right? When you're a little kid, he's just choking people out for disagreeing with him in a meeting. Yeah. I mean... He was the ultimate evil for people our age until people our age dealt with our fear by making him funny. Ah, yeah, that, that makes sense, actually. He... It's an it's a time period at like it's very interesting to compare Star Wars to what Star Wars is partly based off of. I mean, because Star mm-hmm. Wars is based off two different books kind of slammed together and then read through the through George Lucas's rad liberal understanding of the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Um, but half of Star Wars is Dune and half of Star Wars is Flash Gordon. Yes. Right. yes. Um well after Star Wars, both Dune and Flash Gordon finally get made. Um <laughs> which I loved. Loved yeah. Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Don't mm-hmm. watch it as an adult. I mean, like or do, but know that you remember it differently than it is. Um still great. It's still a good movie, actually. This is not me slagging off of it. Just just when you my memory of it was that it was better than Star Wars. Ooh, you were one of those. Yeah, my reality watching it as an adult is like, well, Star Wars is a better movie by a lot. Um, Concurrently, also, my favorite science fiction movie of the 80s is not a good movie. And it is uh, David Lynch's Dune. Really? Um, Yeah, because... uh, And I think it's my favorite one because I could tell that there was a lot going on, but like... Who knew at that point? Dude, Dune, if they would have had Dune action figures, I was talking about Dan to Dan Larson about this a while back. And I asked him about that. He's like, no action figures. And if they would have had Dune action figures, maybe they did. I didn't know about them. I would have been all about Dune because that movie, I would try to get into it. But A, it's really long. It's really long. Um, But it's the version, the version, yeah, I'm talking about the Lynch version. Yeah, 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 I know. But even if you watch the like Disney recut Lynch version with all the like half finished scenes back in it, so you can actually follow what's going on, <laughs> then it's really, really long. <laughs> like it, you either get the two and a half hour version or the five hour version. <laughs> I would, I kind of want to watch the. I want to have time to watch the five hour version just because I watched it as a young person. It was a little over my head. It didn't have enough laser fighting for me i'm not gonna lie you know screaming fight i need all that right i i need all of it at that point in my life now i could probably sit back and enjoy it i I was told that the remakes are really really good the which remakes or or whatever the new dunes that they made last year i think were really good I think they're highly divisive. I think most people like them. I seen it. I I thought it was. I'm I'm holding my judgment to see if Villeneuve actually understands his text in the second movie. Okay. Um. Uh. What I would say. The the, the most faithful version of those movies, unfortunately, is a television miniseries from the late '90s, early aughts, uh, that came on Sci-Fi Channel. <laughs> but um, oh, I know I know exactly what you're talking about. Um. But yeah, I think uh, Lynch's Dune, I think, is actually 
quite good. But again, you want to talk about these blending of of horror movies? Uh, there, I would never argue that Dune's a horror movie, mm. but there are terrifying parts of of Dune when they go to the Harkonnen planet. Mm-hmm. That is terrifying. It is bizarre. It is as weird as a David Lynch movie. Um, the the villain is absolutely evil. It's so bizarre, actually, that it's hard for kids to relate to to make it scary the way Darth Vader is because you're just like, I don't even have a frame of reference for <laughs> what I'm watching. <laughs> like that's fair. Um, and and for people who talk about it, it's like it's like you're watching a David Lynch movie. Uh, that's also for 15 minutes a Cronenberg movie. Mm-hmm. But then goes back to being a weird David Lynch uh, like space opera, which, by the way, no one should ever have let David Lynch make a space opera. Um, uh, so yeah, everyone who they've ever choose to make a Dune movie has always been like, OK, so Yodorowsky. Oh, that's going to go weird. Um, then Lynch. OK. And then Villeneuve, I you know Villeneuve's the least weird of those directors. So, um, you know, but that's that's the time period. Um, I think, I think you know when we talk about horror movies and we talk about you know, um, I feel like we have to address the elephant in the room. Um, we have two models of horror right now. One's finally kind of won out. Um, one model is the A24 model. The Ooh. other model is okay. the uh, Blumhouse model. Okay. You're getting into uh, my question four, which is, is the A24 elevated horror helping the genre or is it equally as cliche as the stuff from previous generations, just more pretentious? Um, I think elevated horror is is a, a pretentious nomenclature for horror that is just doing what horror had done in other specific time periods. So if you like weird psychological fucked up horror, like elevated horror, you can look into the, to the mid to late nineties with like Jacob's ladder. You can look Ooh. to like most of the seventies and nobody was marketing these movies as art house movies. Um, uh, Early De Palma movies, very early De Palma movies. Well, yeah, Jacob's Ladder was like a big budget Hollywood movie. I remember watching yeah. trailers for that in the nineties. Yeah. Um, and then you know, there's been other attempts at at similar things. There's a a, a brief period at the end of the odds that we all forget about that also tried these psychological horror movies that kind of when people were beginning to get exhausted with torture, both torture porn and then the Platinum Dunes remakes of all the. <laughs> Of all the 80s movies, mm-hmm. uh, we don't mention the Platinum Dune remake period. That's a bad remake period. Um, has anyone ever seen the remake of, of uh, what is it, Friday the 13th Part 1 with the guy from... Uh, 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 Bra- bad News Bears. Yeah, Kelly it's the guy... From, Kelly Leak from Bad News Bears. It's, 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 <laughs> it's got Bad News Bears guy and Supernatural guy, like... I didn't um, like it. We, me and Ben, when me and Ben did our whole Friday the Thirteenth, um, watch it. We started. I think I told you this. We wanted. We couldn't remember which one had the pizza, where the uh, faces were the pepperoni or the sausage. So we watched four, because we we couldn't. We thought that was the one, and then we watched it. We're like, I guess we got to watch five. 
then we watch five and like you know why don't we just watch this back to one but in this crazy order and then we looked up what the order was and we had to include the remake freddy versus jason and we were gonna watch the series freddy's nightmares but that was like that was too much to throw (laughs) that in there to to make it like if you're gonna do it do it all just do the uh, there's a lot of watching if you gotta watch (laughs) we would get done with this we would get done with our shows and he would come over and sometimes one of us would cook dinner and we just we usually fall asleep on the couch but uh more often than not we were like that's way better than i thought it was most of these movies for me i'm like oh that's better than i thought it was but yeah the remakes the platinum doom remakes are bad like like they're way worse than uh even like the rob zombie remakes of halloween those are at least kind of interesting um didn't need a backstory uh no that that's why did they do that actually anyway you know um <laughs> I, the, the the character that rob zombie wants us to fill out is michael myers a character whose very existence should be one of blank evil that's uh, that's enough it's a movie <laughs> dude um it, it, you know it's interesting though when we think about elevated horror because there's an interesting transition since we're since we, we've been kind of focusing on the 80s because that's when we came up mm-hmm. uh the 70s you know that's that's the first period of elevated horror too like like if the exorcist not you just got remade don't watch that um uh, joseph gordon i mean jason gordon green has a lot whatever his name is um has a lot to answer for oh. um but um I'm good. Uh, but are are the Rennie Harlan prequel slash Paul Schrader prequel of The Exorcist? Don't watch those either. But um, the the original Exorcist would have been would have been marketed today as an elevated horror movie. I like, can see that. Um, which, but it's interesting to look at these cycles of reaction and horror because because people are talking about the end of the aughts and we get the purge movies and that's when you start seeing this exhaustion with torture porn mm-hmm. and with home invasion movies uh, i think the strangers which is you know a decent movie it's basically they're basically a remake of l but whatever they put them in masks um uh for those of you who don't know l is a french home invasion movie uh, that is very similar um but you start moving into what would become the Blumhouse model at the at, at the end of the aughts, um, because you have the Platinum Dunes remakes; they're all bad. But then you start getting stuff like like the Strangers and the Strangers and the Purge, and um, these kind of social commentary movies are a little bit more substantive mm-hmm. um, and a little bit less extreme and bleak. I mean, because even even the good horror movies from the aughts are bleak. Well, Uh, let let me ask you this. What is going on financially at this moment that would make because I don't think these movies come out of thin air. No, everything is a reaction off off of of a current moment. 
there's a, I, I think you have to, I mean, like, I, I don't, I'm not going to be so vulgar as I say you can trace it to business cycles, but I do, because uh, I don't think that. But I do think if you look at, like, these upswing, these upswing economic periods, uh, arguably the beginning of the aughts and the 90s, those are not great for horror movies. They're just not. Um, late 80s also. Not, I mean, there's, but in the beginning of the upswing, you will get some good ones because there's money to be invested in stuff like this. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think there's something about horror movies when you actually can't budget your way through it, that you have to make a more interesting movie. Like, Um, for example, you mentioned the purge films. Are the purge films a reaction to kind of that loosening of credit, that ability everybody had to kind of feel like a baller. For well, about 10 it, years. It, it, it 10 is years. very much, uh, you know, it is very much uh, a response to to the beginning of the economic cycle. And it starts this wave of Eat the Rich movies that mm-hmm. um, we're still in, kind of. I mean, uh, the menu is in some ways, like, can be traced back to The Purge. Um, and... I find that interesting. I think a lot of these movies, uh, whereas the torture porn movies very much come out of a response, I mean, kind of explicitly to two things. Genre-wise, they're coming out of response to New Friends Extremity. Um, and New Friends Extremity is coming out of response to Asian horror movies, which were mm. which were taking over the market in the late 90s dominating the market yeah Yeah. um and they gave us a fresh take though can we i I hate to cut you off but can we admit that asian movies the ring we weren't seeing battle royale there was nothing like that being made in the states as as you said we're getting the the thing remake is horrible uh, whatever the f you want to call it it's not very good and, and yeah. the Asian were like watching the ring the first time. That movie scared the bejesus out of me. Right. And so it really, re- I think it reinvigorated horror because it was dying on the, on the like 50,000 scream knockoffs from like, what is it? Uh, <laughs> paranoid behavior. And I know no what you did last did. summer. The and... urban legend of what you yeah. did in the summer of your screaming. And, and then you uh, had the, the, what is uh the butterfly effect slash a final destination movies which are just oh. stupid ridiculous kills um so the so in response to that there's this you know a- asian horror is basically you're gonna be your background for smart horror new fix extremity actually in some ways is a response to that and the other thing and just to put it into sociological context <clears throat> um the iraq war had an uncensored internet Ooh. So, you know, yes, today, if you want to see horrible stuff, you can find it on Telegram. Uh, But you could accidentally just stumble on a beheading video in in 2005. Like, so those two things together are a lot of where your torture porn seems to come from. Uh, You know, and there's these anxieties about... um, everything going on in the war on terror that seems to be in these torture porn movies, but they're not, 
they're not that self-conscious about it um, in a lot of ways. I mean, Eli Woff will, like, you know, if the... Eli Woff will talk about, you know, his movies as critiques of of the violence in American society at that time, but they're they're the most stupid critiques if they are, and they're very yeah. xenophobic critiques. Agreed. Um, um, whereas these purge movies, I think the purge movies are so in on this, this general shift of feeling after we've had loose credit for so long and people have been surviving off of it. And you have this, like you do have like neoliberalism, which is a term we're overused, but it's technically correct here. Um, really separating like, you know, the, not just the top 1%, but the top 20% from everybody else in a way that is reflected in the purge. Cause basically you have the top 20% versus the horde, but then at the end of the purge, spoiler for those of you who haven't seen a over 10 year old movie, um, you have, uh, the even more rich preying on, you know, the the top 20% at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a kind of social commentary that comes out of those movies. Um, one of the things I think is very interesting to think about why we, why, why elevated horror is a problem while we're talking about this, since we're all over the map tonight. Um, but the reason why we think of elevated horror is like horror that has to say something about society. Right. And, and is also has good cinematography. Basically, that's what it is. <laughs> um, but horror and sci-fi both have been genres where you can get away with that. I mean, a lot of people read uh, horror because their basis for horror is a slasher as mm-hmm. a very reactionary genre. But mm-hmm. if you actually like go through and look at horror movies, there is a ton of playing out of social anxiety, particularly around war and violent events. Um Sometimes it works out to great movies. Post-Vietnam War gives us some of the best round of the first round of 70s horror movies. Um, uh, sometimes it plays out in terrible movies. Uh, Eli Roth movies, for example. Sorry. <laughs> Eli Roth movies. But, um, and, and we've kind of gone through, you know, we've got, I said the A24 model. I'm aware that A24 is basically Miramax. Uh, mm. Um. And I could actually refer to a genre of Miramax horror movies. That was a thing in the 90s. That was all psychological horror. But it didn't have the same effect in cultural push. Um, And the distinction between, say, the Blumhouse movies and the A24 movies have essentially collapsed. Like, they've kind of become the same thing. Agreed. Um, And what we're seeing now is we started with us with we began the the aught twenties or whatever the hell we're calling this decade, the new (laughs) twenties, the end of time. I don't know. Um, I think one of the things about about uh, these current batches of of contemporary horror movies I, I you know for me the best year in horror in a long time was uh 2021 actually um it was a very good year in horror uh the last two years not so much but we've gotten a lot of these remakes again and they started off strong and some of them are still okay like the reboot slash the soft reboot of scream at least the first one's decent 
um the the first of the of the gordon green uh halloween reboots is decent but they go downhill really quickly um the and we're getting also crazy wacky horror again i love that uh, uh my tucker favorite and tucker and dale barbarian which is insane i haven't um, seen it but everyone tells me it's great it, it, it's great because i think the guy who wrote it was just doing free association because it changes it's all horror movies but it changes the genre of horror movie like three times like um and it actually you know we talk about say something about society it does say stuff about society accidentally mm-hmm. um uh you know the ham-fisted ones like the menu um i don't really work and I also think one of the interesting things is we talk about elevated horror saying something about society, but what does the witch, the lighthouse, or really even hereditary actually say about society? Any, look, I, I'm going to ask you, you're a smart man, and I respect your opinion. I am not that bright. I've tried to watch Vavitch 15 times. <laughs> I fall asleep every time. Is it Ben says it's good. Dubin says it's good. Is it good? Am I just not that bright? I mean, I'm again. I think you are expecting a horror movie, and what you're getting is an art house movie that has a horrific ending. And I have to wait for the ending. Yep, and you got to get to the ending. That's how Hereditary was. I tried to watch Hereditary, and I was like, I just don't care. Um, I mean, the, the little girl gets hit. That thing, I was like, whoa. And then I kept that kind of kept me watching it, but then I was like, I just don't care. Hereditary is uh, very similar, and in it, I mean, I think it's uh, it, it. I I would say it's definitely in tradition of The Exorcist, actually, and what it's doing. Um, but it's I find Ari Aster films to be very start and stop. Mm. Um, so. You'll get one shocking thing, and then you get an hour of good cinematography and slow build, and you get another shocking thing. Um, I like Ari Aster movies, but I don't think that I really don't think they're for everyone. Um, whereas I have liked going back to well-made, fun horror movies, um, and you know, for what I said earlier, uh, right now we're washing shit. Uh, streaming movies but there's been a lot a like more good horror movies in the last four Dude, or five years on streaming have you have you watched the pizza the pizza gate massacre have you watched that no i have not See, i had that director on this show for you guys that don't know the director of that movie came on here when you talk about so many movies coming out capitalist production this is the downside to streaming and being able to have all these choices in my opinion, we we don't know. There's so many that I can't keep up. Actually. I can't. I, a I can have the biggest list of stuff I want to see known to man, but B A those things fall off all the time now because of licensing rights. That's going crazy right now. B there's just too much that I'll, I'll never know where it is. Like I kind of miss the days of a curated experience. Come on, cable, tell me what I want to see, and the Pizzagate Massacre is one of those movies that you're talking about. It's fun. 
it's suspenseful it's a low budget movie with people that you don't really know a lot of these guys this is their first like big feature film and the acting really was good and it's got social commentary it's got all the things that you want it to have but every movie doesn't have to be the same thing. And I'm not going to say that this copycat generation is that much different than the copycats we saw in the 80s. But I feel like you got called out when you bit back then. This is just a bad version of blah, blah, blah. Musically, too. Oh, why are you listening to that band or that group? They just sound like a bad version of blah, blah, blah. They're the poor man's version of blah, blah, blah. Now, everybody is the poor man's version of blah, blah, blah. Everybody is just biting something that's popular. Jordan Peele makes uh, uh, Get Out. And there's so every black filmmaker has to make Get Out. It's like you don't have to do the exact same thing he did. Can we not take these people seriously unless they have social commentary? Can a female make a movie that doesn't have to be a feminist critique on blah, blah, blah? Or about trauma? Yeah. Like, to me, that's that, that's the racism. That's the sexism. That like, No black person can make a movie that's just like an entertaining fucking film. It has and to we, always be this over-the-top social commentary about race. And everything that's, a, that's made by a woman has to somehow go back to being some version of the Baba Duke. Um, <laughs> you know, like some you know big metaphor mean? for trauma. Yeah. You know yeah. I, I, and I feel like maybe you just can't get your movie made unless you do that song and dance. So the same kind of way we talk about, you know, the one thing that's winning in this world that we live in called the left anti-racism blm kneecapped it more than anything else i could think i said this last night on the show and it and it's has an effect in pop culture as well where you know can these people make movies there's a there's a there's a young uh latina filmmaker that made kind of a fun little movie called bingo night hell or bingo hell mm-hmm. have you seen that mm, no it's like it's it's fun and it doesn't really hit you over the head with social commentary. And she just made one of the v- VHS movies, which you know are like found footage. Films. Yeah. She's yeah. made the new one, the VHS 1985. And I haven't checked that out. But, you know, she does dig making fun films that don't have to hit you over the head with social commentary. And I feel like this genre used to have that to some extent. And there are some people that are making that. Again, Tucker and Dale is pretty fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the A24 stuff, it's like it feels like it has to be so important. Like, did you try to watch Lamb? No, I did not. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, when you keep on mentioning Tucker and Dale, but that movie is over 12 years old. You know what? I'm over 12 years old, so go fuck yourself. <laughs> You just keep on mentioning it like like in the same things movies from like five years ago. So I'm like, okay, um, but I haven't, uh, I haven't seen too many funny ones like that. I've I've, I've seen a lot have, of copycats of that. I've seen some that have tried, but yeah, I, I, 
it, it's so overwhelming right now, the amount of stuff that's being made and being instantly forgotten. Like, what was that? Was it the Fear Factor movies or the what, what, what's the not Fear Factor? Um, Fear Street movies. I heard uh, that was a really good series. Did you watch that? All those. Movies? I, I watched the first one. It was good. But like they're very much like you want to talk about direct ripoffs like they, they're, you know, they're. 80s books but set in different decades and they basically passed each decade that they're in um so it's uh it's interesting i think that the genre that that's probably irking me and i don't know if lamb is part of this but and i love this genre normally mm-hmm. but is like the folk horror resident oh. uh, like those have gotten so repetitive um and i love folk horror i actually do it's actually one of my favorite subgenres. like like you know one of my favorite movies we mentioned so many but one of my favorite movies is the wicker man mm. and uh and then um i like the first midsummer which is a swedish movie from the 90s oh that's a remake no no it's not a remake midsummer is well it's just Mids- Midsommar actually rips off directly and knowingly and calls attention to it, both the other Midsommar mm-hmm. and uh, and the Wicker Man. Like, I saw with, the Wicker Man remake or, or, or rip off bit of it. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. so if you've seen if you've seen those two movies, you actually there's certain things you're like, oh, okay, that's part of what's going on there. But um, but yeah, I, t- to me, like that genre is kind of getting tired. Um, the social commentary stuff. Uh, I liked the the current sequel to Candyman, but it also felt a little ham-fisted. Um, and and the uh, God the 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 show that like everybody learned what uh sundown home was oh lovecraft country which was very much a uh, uh anti-racism as written by a white guy uh as portrayed by a black female director for a white audience um and thanks ibrahim x candy um yeah uh that was uh and that that show was frustrating because every th- like every now and again it would be good and then it would like I'm not normally one to complain about woke being a problem in anything. Um, that's not really my genre of criticism, but there were times where I'm like, Oh my God, like <laughs> you, you were almost interesting. And then you had to do the exact thing that I thought you would do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it almost felt like a satire, but it wasn't. And so, but I think that's going away too. I mean, I you know, like, like DEI incorporations, it seems to be going away. <laughs> Um, so, um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, Lovecraft Country, there's two episodes that I think are great that, um, there is a episode, uh, set in Korea that I think is actually really good, but most of that show ends up being dog crap. Someone's sheriff um, Liberty says Lovecraft Country played a James Baldwin quote as a stranger. It did. <laughs> oh my god! Are uh, you serious? 
Yeah, that 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 show is. Uh, just to remind you, it, now you did have a black director, black female director. Sounds about but, right. But uh, and it was and it was funded by uh, Jordan Peele, but or produced. But um, it its writer of its of its source material is a white guy. Is, is a white guy. Yeah. So, um, and it very much sometimes feels like a black director taking a white guy's attempt at being anti-racist with Lovecraft and ham fisting it into a show. And there was a lot of stuff right after the reckoning Mm -hmm. um, that tried to do that. And very little of it worked. Um, uh, Jordan Peele's three movies, uh, I believe like get out us and Nope. I think, and and Nope is the most interesting of those in my opinion. Oh really? I haven't seen Nope yet. Yeah. Nope is crazy. And that's why it's interesting. Um, uh, that's a, that's another movie that's like four different. It, it's a sci-fi Western satire uh, horror movie. So it's uh, this is Jordan Peele definitely throwing spaghetti against the wall, but it's it's good. Um, but the those three movies kind of get it right together. But I feel like that's kind of been it. Um, uh. The the rest seem to try too hard, um, and there's been, you know, I think one of the scariest movies I've found in the last ten years is not a horror movie, although it could easily be one. And I think it's even kind of shot like one, um, and that's Nightcrawler. Uh, With uh, the, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jill- yeah, the Gyllenhaal movie Ooh, about that's a good like movie. that movie is terrifying. <laughs> like, you know what it was supposed to be called? Coyote, because he acts like a coyote. Right. And I didn't peep that, and I watched it again after I read that, and I was like, "Ooh, he does." That movie is. It, I don't like to watch it by myself at night because it's very unsettling. Yeah, it, it it it's it's up there with Possession and movies that really upset me. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, someone's like it's a modern day taxi driver, except it's kind of more disturbing than it's taxi way driver. more disturbing. There's no redeemable qualities about that person because he's supposed to be a coyote, he's supposed to be like, I'm doing whatever I can do to survive. I mean, it, it's uh, yeah, I someone says it's a black comedy, it's a black comedy that's so black that it's almost not funny. It's not, where's the laughter? Like, it will, it start, it, it's like, yeah, it's like. It starts off you can kind of feel like it's cringe comedy because all the all the other characters uh are also awful but they're mm-hmm. so they're so less awful compared to him um but uh so, so nice. yeah what movie this is it's called uh, Nightcrawler Nightcrawlers from 2014 I believe That's a good um, movie Uh is No Country for All Men a horror movie No no, it's really uh, long and didn't do anything for me. I like No Country for a Man, but no. Um, uh, I think No Country's a No Country. Those Coen Brothers uh, versions of Cormac McCarthy uh, novels are um, interesting in that they are effectless. 
Um, so if you need affect, it's good. I would actually tell people to read the source material. Um, I like those movies, but, but yeah. Um, so, oh, seven. Yeah. I mean, Shout out to Ken. Ken, thank you for the super chat. Yeah, seven is what's in the box. That was almost a sound drop. Um, um I mean, there's there's a kind of like shocking neo-noir from the mid nineties mm-hmm. that, that all of them skirt on horror movies, uh, even when they're like sci-fi. Again, to bring it back to the title of the show, which we haven't mm-hmm. talked about, about, but like, as Twelve Monkeys a horror movie, like, I kind of do sincerely think Twelve Monkeys. I watched tw- first time I saw Twelve Monkeys in seven. Um, I was uh, probably in high school, huh? I was, and I was living at a friend's house because uh, okay. I was technically homeless. Um, and we, I saved up my loading dock money. Because that's what I did for a side gig. Well, a side gig, because it was my only job. I just anyway, and I rented um a bu- what all the movies that had the most edgy uh posters at the movie rental place. So we got Seven, Twelve Monkeys, and The Exorcist Three. And mm. um, I in the addiction. So we rented four movies. And the addiction. I watched it with a friend that I was living with. Um, yeah, it was in high school, but it, the addiction is great. Um, seven is great. Um, uh, Exorcist and, three is amazing. Exorcist three is is great. It's a very different movie than the other ones I'm mentioning. Yes. It actually feels like an older movie, but I saw it that time, so they all stuck in my head. Oof. I had like like the and uh 12 monkeys is great so like i watched all f- i and we watched them in one weekend so mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah seven was terrifying the first time i saw it, people talking about it and it's one of those where like you can kind of get into every character's head and be disturbed by it mm-hmm. um uh i think um 12 monkeys is interesting because it seems like a just you know a dystopian uh sci-fi movie and then the end is just gutting um and uh well of course exorcist 3 arguably as good or better than the exorcist i go back and forth on that um and then what's the other one i mentioned that we oh the addiction the addiction is uh a terrifying it would be labeled art house i mean elevated horror now but it's a terrifying like christian allegory vampire movie um Mm. that if it was not in black and white would be unwatchably violent um (laughs) so um so yeah if you want since we've like kind of indirectly given our 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 uh recommendations for each decade (laughs) um um, there you go those are my 90s ones uh I don't guess extra three is the nineties. It's just the early nineties. It's ninety. It's nineteen ninety. And yeah. and that's gonna be the show for Saturday, actually. Ben's gonna come on and we're gonna do kind of, you know, what we wanted to do for the In Search of Darkness people. They're making uh their new 
In Search of Darkness, 1990 to 1994. So Ben and I will be discussing. If you're free and would like to jump on, you're more than welcome. Horror, 1990 to 1994. What happened in these years? Why did everything kind of change? Uh, what's what's those years? So what 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 movies come people out? People under the stairs come out. You get the kind of, you get the tail end of the uh, the trilogy, guys. So you get a few of the Texas Chainsaws that don't do really well. You get the, the end of yeah, the end of uh, not the end, but kind of the real forgotten uh, Jason movies. The bad um, Jason, the movies. real bad Jason movies. But like you Jason, get things like Misery Jason X. Oh, misery's fucking. You get misery. 1994. So you get misery, um, Exorcist 3, um, like I said, People Under the Stairs, um, I have Candyman. Candyman. Ooh, the first Candyman. Um, Nightmare. Wes Craven's A New Nightmare is 94, I believe. And that's a really good movie. Yeah, agreed. Um, You can kind of see where Craven's going, though, because while. Mm-hmm. While like um, Scream is funny and nothing's funny about New Nightmare, uh, the meta part of it is in both. Like yes. the the meta commentary uh, part of it is um, definitely uh, in both those movies. And I think um, Parents come out in 1990. Or is it 89? I think it's 89. Frankenhooker is 1990. Oh, that's a great movie. That's, uh, I mean, it's not a good movie, but it's a great. Yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. Like there's <laughs> there's movies in this in this time frame that I think a lot of people forgot are '90s movies, and I kind of want to look at this moment in horror because I do look at it. Someone said, "Is this the end of history horror?" And yeah, I think things change when there's no monster for America, and that monster is the Soviet Union. Once it's gone, then what is terrifying us? Wait, isn't the first of the uh the uh fuck tremors one i think is in in between 90 and 94 what is it uh dust till dawn demon night demon night is 89 88 i think the first demon night there's a sequel yeah that's like okay i can't remember that that movie feels. What's interesting yep. is that movie feels more like an early '90s movie than it does uh, a late '80s movie. But yeah. So, some someone said Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks definitely comes out in '90, 90, '91. Um, there's there's just there's a uh, interview with the vampire comes out in like '93, I think. Yeah, I saw that movie like multiple times in the theater because I, uh, uh, my mom was a Anne big old Anne Rice nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, in the mouth of madness, yeah, Fantastic yeah. Two, I believe, comes out in the nineties. So there, there's there's some movies in this in this time frame that I think are are really interesting, and I know Ben hasn't seen them all. Maybe you've seen a few more. I don't think I've know. seen everything that you have listed so far. I mean, if you the, want to jump on with us, you know, I would appreciate it and and enjoy the fun talk because you know. Yes. I, I think what's funny about what we're talking about today, like, are these science fiction movies? And we only got to a little bit, a little bit. I knew we were going to get derailed. But are these science fiction movies, horror movies? Again, my whole point is there's a lot of movies that have horrifying elements to them. And that's just what I look for. If a movie has horrifying elements to it, then to me, it's just a scary movie. Oh, someone mentions my... 
Okay, you now have you guys have just got me really distracted. Um, but I'm gonna just suggest this is one of the last thoughts. Jason, have you mm-hmm. seen all the Phantasm series? Yep. Those movies are I fucking see. great. I and see. they're 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 uh, they're nuts. The only thing that's more nuts is probably the Hellraiser movies, but the Hellraiser movies are bad after the first two. They just jump off of a cliff. Like like just jump. I mean, the third one's at least fun, but they just jump off a cliff. Um, whereas the Phantasm movies are because they're made by the same people with with some exceptions, close to the same cast over thirty years. Um, mm-hmm. They're remarkably consistently good. We're trying to get Coscarelli on the show. Oh, that I don't know. Fantastic. I think he made them all. Didn't he make them all? Yeah, he made them all. Um, but you know who I'm talking to Sunday? Who? Brian Yisna. What? Yeah. Society. Bride reanimator. Yeah. Oh, you told me that. Yes. Um, yeah. Special stream. Uh, man, society is one of the most fucked Oh, up my movies. goodness. I'm, look, we are. We, hey, just for, so people know, we're having a champagne room tonight. I don't know if Barnes, you're not joining me for the champagne room. Are you going to, going to bed? Um, it's, uh... I can do a little bit because that's just where we can just be more free to say bad words. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, let's, we haven't really been on point now, so we can probably jump over. <laughs> okay. Do you want, do you want this, the link to send to your, your Varn, your Varn? Yeah, I'll please? take that. I'll send it to my, okay. Varn. Anyone listening right now on Varn stream, Varn is going to have a link for you guys. So you can watch this as well. It's just going to be us talking mad shit Tucson will be with us. We'll be laughing at a few videos. We'll be making fun of people that we probably don't feel comfortable making fun of um, publicly. Matt Henriksen says, I'm getting my girlfriend, who's a bigger horror fan than me, to watch Phantasm for the first time this weekend. Phantasm 1 is such an insane film. God, I still have nightmares from the first time I fucking saw that movie. You can't. Again, there's movies that you can watch. When you're on going to sleep and you're like whatever, like I can put on Tales from the Crypt, oh yeah, and be yeah. like oh, I'm going to sleep. Like and we're, we have to do a whole episode on anthology horror. Mm-hmm. I love Creep Show again, '90s Tales from the Dark Side, which is supposed to be Creep Show three. Creep Show three is the worst movie of all time. No one go watch Creep Show three. It's so horrible. Don't text Creep Show three or Tales from the Dark Side. I love Tales from the Dark Side. Okay, Creep yeah. Show three is, is Tales from the Dark Side was supposed to be Creep Show three. Licensing right. issues, rights, all that stuff. A lot of the same people that were behind Creepshow did Tales from the Dark Side. It's Stephen King's stories in it. It's good. You watch Creepshow 3, they somehow convinced Romero to sell him the rights to the name. There's no Stephen King stories in it. It's just stupid. Bad special effects. Like silly story that's all connected sometimes that shit works well it didn't work well in creep show three it really sullied the name creep show two is not that great but man man is creep show three really really bad but uh you know there's a lot of 90s underwater horror that's based off alien that i love like uh, star sticks um oh you don't Oh yeah, the abyss. Yes. Yeah, all all the abyss wannabe movies. Um, someone says Videodrome. Yeah, that's that's a that's a fucking great film. Um, 
they made a creep show tv series that it's, i've seen a little bit of it. it's pretty good um again i love anthology stuff i love i think there's a tales from the dark side uh show show yes. too, yeah i will all those things that came on regular tv late at night tales from the dark side when they redid it in the 90s monsters do you remember monsters that used to come on tv late at night yeah, um, that in the Outer Limits, Limits, roughly. At the Outer point. Limits remake. I watched Amazing Stories. When that, anything that's anthology, I'm all about it. Leviathan, I thought was 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 rather entertaining. Um, People but, are gonna start throwing out random movies now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can I can see people talking about stuff, but the the and, and those movies, I felt like the underwater movies definitely are the same thing about that whole science fiction horror. What is it? What is it? And they just made horror movies in an outer space underwater. I think that's all that stuff was. How do we capitalize on this uh, underwater thing? Yeah. So I'm going to send you the link. Uh, thank you guys so much for hanging out with uh, Derek and I. Thank you guys so much for your commentary. If you want to join us in the champagne room, uh, we might talk a little more shit as usual. Um, we're definitely going to get a little looser. Derek's got a whole Coke Zero in him now. I got to fill up from some more tea, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Tucson is going to join us, and we're going to have a good old time. So thank you guys oh so much for hanging out, and we are out. Thank you.